Fundraising everywhere. 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 Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast, where we give you a free glimpse of one of our amazing webinars or conferences. You can check out one of our full sessions and get a 50% discount by using the code FEPODCAST at fundraisingeverywhere.com. Yeah, go to fundraisingeverywhere.com and use the code FEPODCAST to get 50% off any of our tickets. Am I here? Wow. Sorry. Wow. Is that that's really, loud? really enthusiastic. I just, uh, well, I just didn't expect it to be so enthusiastic. It was perfect. Oh, I'm sorry. This, I, do you know what? I mean, I love video. Um, that's that's pretty much all of, of fundraising everywhere, everywhere plus. But I am enjoying sitting on my sofa with the cats, looking like a mess, chatting audio only. This is delightful. And hi, everyone. I can see lots of lovely little faces that I recognize. So hi, Mandy, Kimberly, Annabelle. Oh, it's so exciting. I like this. It's good, isn't it? And yeah, so I mean, anyone uh, who wants to join in, then please feel free to um, give us a wave, give us a shout. We'll be inviting people up to speak momentarily. Um, but let me first of all just explain for those of you that have already joined us while we're waiting for a few more people to come in. Let me just explain to you what this is. So if you don't already listen to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast, we run a pretty much weekly uh, podcast. Uh, which focuses on different sessions, different topics, different discussions. Um, but as part of that as well, what we're going to start doing are these monthly Twitter spaces, so looking at the latest trends in the nonprofit sector and things that our uh, community and members are, are, are particularly interested in. And we're going to uh, convert this into a podcast. So this is, yes, your opportunity to be part of the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you want to share your opinions, if you want to uh, outrageously disagree with uh, myself, Simon Scriber, or Nikki Bell, or anyone else on here, then absolutely, you're very welcome to do so. Um, but there's a few things that we have, I suppose, uh, keep hearing feedback from, from our community, things that caught our eye. And essentially, we want to kind of present these and chat through these. Um, so the first thing that um, that I guess caught my eye was on our LinkedIn poll. So uh, if you don't know our marketing manager, Alex, uh, Alex is our marketing manager for Fundraising Everywhere and Everywhere Plus. And um, Alex ran a poll on LinkedIn the other day asking what kind of learning and development events will you attend in 2022? And I was especially interested in the results of these because I suppose they're a little bit surprising for me. But as well, speaking to our uh, listeners in the Twitter spaces space, it's obvious that, you know, the, it's really interesting how there's different areas. People are beginning to consume content. There's lots of different ways that we can kind of engage with people. It's not just about the blogs now. It's about video. It's about social audio. It's about all these things out there. And what was really interesting about this poll is, let me tell you, Nikki, are you ready for it? 60% of people said that they will be attending mostly virtual learning and development this year. So 60% of people said they'd be mostly virtual. 17% said only virtual. Uh, and then we had 19% of people who said mostly in person and 4% who, who said they were only in person. So really weighted down to people who were looking at virtual training, virtual connection opportunities. And this is something that we're talking to a lot of our clients and people in the charity space about how they engage with their audience, whether or not they should take virtual, um, you know, take virtual serious, uh, because obviously so many people still prefer uh, real life events, including myself. But obviously there's a huge chunk of the audience who are, who are still consuming this stuff through virtual only. Were you surprised by these results, Nikki? Um, I was and I wasn't. So I wasn't surprised in the sense that, um, like from a consumer point of view, this is what people are leaning towards. Obviously, you know, there's, it's been shown through the lockdowns and the pandemic that virtual can be amazing when done well, when people put the effort into it and they make it an experience. So it's not surprising that people are like, oh, yes, yeah, sweet. Like, I, I do still want to, like, network and engage in that way. However, what's surprising or um, 
I guess what is the the challenge is that a lot of um, organizations are, you know, starting to get excited about moving back to in-person only programs. And I was having a chat with, uh, with someone this morning about this, about like the pull between like what audiences want and what some charities are moving back into. I'd be interested actually mm. for any of our listeners um, who are with us, if they would want to share their experience from their organization about whether they are organizing uh, in-person events. And if they are, are you going to be hosting um, virtual elements? Uh, that would be really interesting for me because as well, I'm not sure if you saw uh, conversations, a couple of conversations that I had on on Twitter recently, Simon um, saying that I'm, huh. I'm not going to, you know, be part of any events that don't offer uh, a virtual option for, for people um, just because it's, it's daft like to go backwards now to be making backwards steps. Well, t- well tell me about that because 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 I've been you know obviously you and I being a business killer we have to answer we have to answer for each other's actions <laughs> and so when you put that statement out obviously a lot of people were kind of asking me and so while while people are putting up their hands and deciding whether they want to share their own experience and their own thoughts and I, and I would encourage anyone who wants to speak please do please do request it and we'll we'll bring you on stage but Nikki you're thinking there about not not even speaking at events where they don't offer that virtual element. Are you afraid that that's like cuts you out of, you know, some of your work is around speaking, some of the opportunities to connect with people? Do you feel like you're like leaving yourself in the mm-hmm. lurch there by cutting that off? Uh, yeah, but I mean, as with any change that you want to push forward, it sometimes means that you have to miss out on things for many more people to get access to something bigger later. Do you know what I mean? So I'd much rather temporarily lose out on some opportunities if it means that by my actions and hopefully, you know, other people following suit, that it means that more people will be able to get access to this online. Because for me, the issue with speaking at events that don't provide online access for people, it means that only people in that room can get the opportunities to level up. And therefore, we're restricting mm-hmm. those leveling up opportunities to just the people who have you know, the time or the freedom or, you know, the budget to be able to get there. And I, I don't think that's fair. Um, and, you know, it's not to say that, you know, it, it has to be perfect because I'm totally, you know, understanding that some organizations are going to be in a similar position this year with, with hybrid models that we were in 2020, where it was quite new and they were still working things out. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing to help them on that. So we'll we'll see. And obviously, this is very much from a conference webinar space. Um, and you know, for a lot of our listeners, that that might be uh, charity specific. But it's exactly the same. You know, if if I was going to do some training for a charity, or you know, if I was a supporter and and they didn't have a virtual option, and and I wanted to help them, and it wasn't possible for me to get there, then we need to be thinking about that and planning for it as well. So yeah, I might lose out on the short term, but yeah, you know. And also, why were they coming to you? Why didn't they just get in touch with me? I don't know. You, you're quite scary sometimes, That's aren't you? Quite intimidating. No, people, I'm not intimidating at all. Um, no. But maybe it was just because I had no signal because I was on the train. Maybe. Also, I'm sorry that I didn't tell anyone else in the team that I was putting that tweet out. It might have been helpful to be like, "Hey, hey, folks, oh, just sorry. a little heads up that this is going to come." Uh, Marissa has uh, requested to uh, to join, so I'm going to bring them on. Can I do it? Indeed, Marissa is here. How are you, Marissa? Have I approved them? Yes. Uh, I have a Mar- I have approved Marissa. So uh, yeah, how are you, Marissa? Uh, good morning. Thank you for allowing me to speak. I am well. Thank you. Um, I'm <coughs> excuse me, a consultant in Sacramento, California, and oh. I am working um, with our local nonprofit resource center to produce a conference that has been delayed twice now um, and was originally in person, was um, delayed to be virtual and was delayed again because virtual signups were so low. And it is now being presented in a hybrid format over two days. The first day is in person and virtual. And then the second day is all virtual. And I've been um contracted just recently to become the MC for the event as well as um kind of do some curating work around the content and i'm really interested if anyone on this call has <clears throat> excuse me insights 
on bridging the those two experiences in a really meaningful way and and um, sort of intentionally setting spaces where the virtual crosses into the in-person and folks are uh, forced and allowed to to try to replicate that in-person experience that most of us attend conferences for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. And and from your personal opinion, what what's your personal view towards it? Because obviously you kind of have to toe the organization line. But are you are you thinking virtual is virtual is just one more thing that you have to organize, or are you like happy to see the 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 two of them going ahead? Or what would you do if you were in complete control? You know, I I like the hybrid um, model, and I really like the equity and the accessibility that it offers. Um, in terms of geography and, and folks' budget and time and uh, travel and all that good stuff. I'm really excited, actually, to see the hybrid format going forward. I am concerned um, just about the quality of the virtual experience in general, because most meetings are, are terribly planned and run. Um, and I'm trying to buck that trend and really um, put intention into especially kind of the liminal spaces, the, the spaces in between classes and, and transition times, because I think that those are when a lot of our, you know, accidental bump-ins happen in person. And those are the richest parts of our experiences at these types of gatherings. So I'm, I'm just brainstorming how, you know, what, you know, how I can engage all the senses, how I can um, infuse music into every space, um, how we can remind people of basic human needs and, and allow lots of human connection. And, and I'm just, I'm hoping anybody has any ideas because I honestly just have not seen a lot of gatherings doing this successfully. I love I love the noise of birds that you have in the background of your of your microphone and that actually that kind of gave me a feeling beyond beyond just this virtual chat. It was like, oh, it's so lovely to hear a bit of nature and everything. I think that that might be something we need to just litter throughout all all virtual events. Is just a few animal noises. Um, I'm curious if anyone has any opinions. Feel free to put your hand up. But what are, what have people seen in their kind of, you know, not just training and information sessions, but any kind of virtual events? What have they seen that have made them feel um, uh, connected? Uh, that have made them feel, you know, kind of that that human element, that kind of Im impromptu element that we all love from events. Because I think I think that's been the kind of what everyone has has landed on and agreed, isn't it? That virtual is all well and good, but I think the worry is that you don't get those random bump intos in the, you know, as you're getting coffee. Uh, so many people have said, and including myself, like the the biggest learnings you get at conferences are when when you're not in a session you know it's when you're in the bar or when you're chatting to someone off the side of it or when you're kind of out and about you know looking at other things so how do you bring that into virtual events and i'm curious if anyone has any any thoughts on that and maybe nikki and i can share some of the stuff we've seen clients doing and some of the stuff we brought into our own events nikki have there been any events and, and it doesn't have to be one of our events but any events that have really jumped out at you that made you feel a little bit different that you're not just on a zoom webinar Oh, oh, definitely. The Women for Women one, that event really stands out for me as just something that made people feel connected. And one of the things that still sticks with me now, and bearing in mind this was like, what, twenty early 2020? So like nearly two years ago, the hosting, how good the hosts were in pulling everything together, their vibrancy, their interaction with the attendees by referencing, you know, names and uh, comments in the chat box and just pulling everything together. Um, so I think when there is an online event, there has to be really good hosting that can pull it all together and make people feel like really used up um, and keep people to time as well. Because, yeah, there's been feedback, hasn't there, about events not, not keeping to time. And that's definitely, yeah, directed to ours. Um, and I love as well, like the different um, mediums at, at virtual events. Uh, sometimes when you use um, particular platforms, let's just take like Zoom, for example, you're really restricted as to how you can move through the event based on um, the platform, because that platform is supposed to be for meetings, not for events. Um, so I found that events that I've gone to that have allowed you to interact in ways that are 
right for you. So whether you just want to watch something or whether you want to take part in your own screen or, you know, whether you want to get involved in audio only or you want to like tweet from it, um, that choice and control within an event really makes people feel like they can engage with something in an exciting way. Because if we remember as well, I mean, in in-person events, I would often, you know, make plans to meet up with people that I knew. But generally, I would just be, you know, like mooching around and, you know, going to a session and watching it and then going and finding a cup of tea. It wasn't so like intense as we are trying to make it be on an online setting. So I think, again, just a reminder that that experience and, and choice for the attendee is by far most, the most important thing that we can think of. Um, what about you, Simon? I mean, you're more in, involved on the event side on the Everywhere Plus uh, platform. What what events have stood out to you? And as well, if there's any uh, listeners in the Twitter spaces today, if you've hosted an event or you've been at an event uh, online and you've thought, actually, this is mint and totally stands out from, from what I was expecting, then please uh, raise your hand or whatever it is on this. <laughs> and we'll, we'll bring you on to, to share your experience as well. Yeah, I think like I've seen I've seen some nice examples I get into, but I think you you mentioned there about the hosting, and I think more and more that's becoming clear to me. Like whether whether you're running a training event or you know, especially if you're running like an a, what's meant to be an engaging event, if you're trying to get your audience hyped up to to donate or to volunteer, or you know, the, generally in all these events, there's a call to action. So much of it does come down to the hosting. And I think, you know, I've seen events where the host is a, is a little flat or, you know, doesn't really have the energy and enthusiasm that you kind of need from it. And and that that you feel it throughout the whole event. You th feel it through the other speakers and you feel it there. Whereas a, a, a host who's good at guiding the audience and a host that's good at getting the audience fired up, you know, that carries through the event. And I think it's, you know, one of the things that... Um, popped into my head recently is like is like the host for me the MC and Marissa is going to be taking this spot and I'm curious to hear how she's feeling about MCing but for me it's like the MC of a virtual event is is us our audience it's our our audience representative on screen so in a lot of a virtual events or most virtual events you can't see all the audience you know you you still feel very alone that you're in your apartment or you're in your office you you know you're not there and so I think it what we what we what helps me to think of as the host is like that representative of the audience that we can see who's asking the questions on behalf of the audience who's steering us through the day who's kind of letting us know what's going on and who's interacting with speakers and sessions in the way that the audience would interact if they were there and so just bringing a bit of energy and bringing a bit of emceeing skills in there to keep people active and letting them know what's going on and letting them know how to get the most out of this virtual event because you know so many features we see sometimes don't go don't go used by the audience it's the host responsibility to get them motivated through all that so i think the host is is a really important thing but marissa what 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 are your thoughts how are you feeling about uh emceeing an event like this um, a lot more pressure now. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, it, I'm so excited that I happened upon this, this chat today because, um, you're echoing exactly what I was thinking. Um, and, and what I think can, sorry, that was, <laughs> I, I do have a lot to Um, um, what I was thinking as far as what my real role will be as, as the MC, and I love that phrase, the audience's representative, and I, I I'm going to hold tight on it. I went running frantically for a notepad to jot that on because I think that's critical, um, and especially because I have two two days and two experiences to to guide people through. <clears throat> it just becomes even more critical that um, I, I, I feel like I have to attend every session somehow a little, or like drop in on every session in order to pull some threads through um, or at least check in after with the, all of the teachers. Maybe they can send me a quick chat message, you know, some little thread from their talk. And then I can reference that as I guide people through the into the next space. Um, and I also loved what you were saying about my my unintentional uh, nature noises background. Um, 
I, I run a small wildlife refuge, which basically consists of me throwing out some bird seed once in a while and keeping water around. Um, and But I think that's actually a critical element. And I think you've hit on something there. And even if I use like a, a soundtrack that um, doesn't have my annoying rooster in it, <laughs> um, that if I, if I do, like every time I appear, have some soft nature sounds behind me and that can just in an audio way, pull people back into a certain oral space, right? And then that that can, and then I can use that time also to do things like, hey, remember to hydrate, and let's all take a deep breath together and and process all this great information, right? I love that. Yeah, that's absolutely spot on. Um, and yeah, I, I know. Again, the Women for Women event uh, that we hosted a couple of years ago, they did something similar, um, and we've had some people on our events, haven't we, Simon? Where they've gone for a walk, and they've hosted their session while they've been on the move, and it's just those elements that go beyond the the box or or the screen box, as it were, um, and just bring people more into the into the real space. Yeah, I think there's more and more opportunity that you know with a virtual event you can be speaking from anywhere and you can bring a bit of like uh depth into 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 what you're delivering it doesn't just have to be you sitting behind a computer sounding very clinical and it's weird actually it's just hearing your rooster is actually there's something about i think there's a learning in there for me that it's like it actually really adds to to this event it's not just us all speaking to a phone or speaking to a computer it just reminds you there's a world out there why is your rooster still roosting marissa because it's surely what's the time in sacramento it must be like nine nine o'clock is your rooster running late uh he he starts speaking at 4 a.m and he continues to announce to the neighborhood that he is here and that the hens belong to him pretty much all day long wow what what's his name does the rooster have a name just for future reference soup <laughs> That's good. All right. Mandy. Mandy is here. Mandy is our community manager at Fundraising Everywhere. Uh, Mandy, did you have some thoughts? Hi. Yeah. Um, actually, Marissa, I was going to say, don't turn off the rooster. Again, I love the rooster. I think it's brilliant. And it reminded me of one of the events Fundraising Everywhere did, the Petex. And like Simon was saying, loads of people, you don't uh, you don't have to be like just sat at your desk. Um you know just filming it like that you can be out and about and we had people i can't remember was it the horse and a pig i want to say and they were like out and about yeah we had a horse and, we had a horse and a pig and i think a few birds but the pig pig really stood up for me yeah no the pig really stood out i thought yeah it was really good because again like you said you get that really nice feeling of you're almost involved um and I remember quite early on in the pandemic, um, I was on a, a Zoom meeting for something and they had a farm somewhere that basically you paid a donation to the farm and then they would have um, a llama or a goat dial into your meeting and just kind of sit in the corner of the Zoom call, which, do you know what? It made everyone's day because it was just something a little bit out of the ordinary um and things like that but i think the one thing that especially fundraising everywhere i've got right on all the events i've attended is the chat box is having that and having somebody in there that's really kind of hyping everybody up and responding to everything um and i think that's a big a big point of it is if you can get people engaged in chat and asking questions and interacting it's going to make a really big difference it's not just sitting staring at a screen for however many hours a day it is let me let me ask you guys this because the one thing that um you know people have a feeling kind of struggles at virtual and it definitely doesn't operate in the same way at virtual is these kind of networking opportunities or opportunities to you know talk talk to a stranger which is as scary as that sounds to me it's like it is a big part of why you go to these events and i i've seen a lot of virtual events haven't really replicated that very well i mean we you know at a number of events we run we'll have like video chat rooms where you can go in and you can talk to other people there we have things like watch parties where 
you know, sometimes you're not just watching the videos or the sessions by yourself, but you're actually in a video chat room with people. So, and you're encouraged to almost talk through the session. So it's kind of like a, you know, almost like a director's commentary of the session, except you and a group of people are talking through it. But one of the things I've seen at some events, and, and I'd be curious to hear what you think here, is um, this this kind of networking roulette thing. Have you seen this where it basically matches you up with a random person and you get like speed dating five or 10 minutes with them. But basically it, it dumps you into this video chat with a stranger. And and one of the reasons it popped into my head is because this is something we just brought in for Fundraising Everywhere members. And, and so I'm going to ask Mandy what she thinks of it. But we brought in this thing called uh, Donut. And it's a thing on Slack where essentially once a week it matches you up, you know, our members or our team or whoever's in that Slack channel it matches you up with someone else and kind of introduces you for this informal uh, networking chat, getting to know you. And I think like, this is one of the things I think suffers from network or, or why one of the reasons networking suffers on virtual is because what you're up against is the ability to walk away from your computer. And so for most of us, when we're faced with the choice of, of networking with a complete stranger on a video call, or shutting down our computer and going to get a cup of tea or going for a walk or going and doing something enjoyable, we almost never will pick networking. And so, but something like donut or this roulette or this speed dating where it actually, you know, encourages you a bit more or really prompts you, pushes you into that space where you're networking. I think that could be a really positive thing because we need to get ourselves over that hurdle, but then there's something to be gained from chatting to it. Nikki, what were you going to say? How's this, again, like, how is that different from in person? Because, you know, I'm not that I'm selective over who I would speak to in person, but I know that I have a set amount of energy when I'm in those spaces and I can't network with 10 people at once. It might be when I'm in the queue for, for a cup of tea or it might be, you know, when I've gone out for my lunch or whatever. But I imagine at a, at a, at a conference or an event, I've probably, you know, pre-prepared a, a handful of meetings and then I'll bump into like two or three more. But my goal when I go to those events isn't to just, you know, turbo networking in whatever way. It's because I've gone for whatever the particular event is. So I guess in a conference space, you know, getting that network, getting the opportunity right for people to be able to chat with each other is great. But I think more effort needs to go into the content and the program that's on offer and creating an exciting experience and the platform as well that people go, oh, hey, this is really good. I'm going to keep coming back to it. Um, just a reference as well, because we've got a couple of uh, ways for people to get interested with us. I've just noticed a tweet from uh, Rob Murray, who uh, who's still listening, uh, actually, as well. Um, and they've mentioned uh, that the a standout event for them recently was Marie Curie Scotland's event on bereavement. Um, and apparently someone called Richard Mead was great at keeping uh, digital and in-person audiences involved. So if you want to tell us a bit more about that, Rob, then then do go ahead and, uh, and, and request to, to join as a speaker. But I don't know. I think... I, I, yeah, I don't know. The networking part's important, but you know, it's not a, a complete necessary. And as well, if we think as well of a, a charity event, so a lot of the people um, on the spaces today, if not all of them, work for charity organisations that might be hosting virtual events. How much do like supporters and, and attendees want to network with each other? Unless it's the corporate one, you know. I'd, I'd, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's maybe we just fix it, say it on it too much. Well, has networking become just this kind of blanket word where it's like, we've got to have networking, we've got to have networking. And it's like, well, what is it about networking that we want? Like, what do we want actually, actually want people to get out of it? Because, I mean, I remember seeing at one of our events, someone found their new mentor in the chat box. And it was really just like, someone was like, like mentorship came up in a session and someone was like, oh, I'm actually looking for a new mentor. Has anyone got recommendations? And someone else was like, actually, I'm taking on new mentees. And and then they just kind of got together and that was it. And so it's like, you know, do we have to create these big networking things to for us to actually get out of a, an event, what we're trying to get out of it? Or do we need to focus more on what what the actual goal of these events is? If it's a fundraising event, the the goal is very often to raise money. If it's an information event, it's to deliver that information. So, are we are we straying from it, and are we overcomplicating things? Maybe, Mandy, what were you going to say? You got your hand up. Yeah, I think I agree both with you, Simon, and you, Nikki, that I think networking is that kind of blanket term, and it does almost have 
really bad connotations to it sometimes like i think of some of the networking events that i went to pre-pandemic and it's just like a load of people in a room giving um elevator pitches for like three hours and it's painful it's really painful but i think what we're trying to create with the virtual thing like you said um simon with the donut which we've implemented um it's more of that kind of human interaction and just interaction with each other so trying to make it more organic so yeah you do see people in the chats go looking for mentors or mentees um i'm a big big believer in um having your squad and or multiple squads um to support you and be there for you and to ask for advice and i think i found so many people through virtual over the last couple of years i've probably met um virtually more people in the last two years than I had in the previous five years of my career and had the chance to actually really get to know people and engage and have meaningful connections. So it's not about that kind of you meet for five seconds and you tell each other what you do. It really has gone deeper. So I think having those um, facilities to network and interact and connect is re really, really important. But yeah, you shouldn't take away from what the event actually is, and it will probably have to be tweaked for each individual one. Um, but adding on to the donut thing as well, what I've set up on there, it's it's brilliant. It just asks a random question like a few times a week, which I think the last ones we've had are, you know, what was your favourite childhood suite and the most beautiful place that you've ever visited? So people can just put a couple of words or they can put a picture or a GIF or something like that, which I think's quite nice actually and it seems to be getting people kind of interacting and engaging a bit more in a, a less formal way and just a bit more naturally it's a nice I little just, framework to work in isn't it where it kind of gives yeah. people a bit of an outline to network in as opposed to just like this blank canvas which can be quite intimidating yeah I uh, yeah I saw that Claire James there had, had put up the hundred emoji Mandy when um when you were talking about meeting more people um, through the virtual tools that we have access to at the moment. And what's interesting as well is that you were an attendee to one of our events and you've actually networked your way up to being uh, a member and then a, a member of staff as well. So it does work and it hasn't just been through forced interactions. I think it's through the effort that you've put into it to get to know people and connect on different mediums and not just, you know, in the event spaces, there's, there's other ways to to get in touch with, with people. Um, so how does this then impact because as well a lot of the conversations we've been having recently are, are around uh, recruitment and the, the new ways of, of working and and as it happens we had a free discussion on our platform last month i think it was around recruitment uh simon mandy marissa what are you seeing in in terms of the uh the the working spaces and um and, and people supporting virtual first in in those places in terms of recruitment in terms of job seekers yeah yeah so i mean if we mm. if we have a sector that's you know chomping at the bit to get back to in-person events and just kind of overthinking the virtual space a bit much and being like oh well you know in person's better because we can you know force people to be together is that translating as well into other areas or has there been more um more flexibility i guess with with workspaces and and bringing people in on on, on flexible ways of working oh man i'll let mandy go first and then i'll try sure. mandy sorry i was just going to jump in i suppose it's it's quite um timely for me because i have like you said just recently joined you uh but we're going into week three now um and obviously all of um the recruitment process and interview and starting has all been virtual um and I honestly think that it's been done really, really well. Um, I've been made to feel so welcome, so involved. And there's always chats going on like Slack is amazing because it's just like instant messaging and it's work stuff, but also non-work stuff as well. Um, I think thinking about other people that I know that started at my last organisation within the, the pandemic, um, obviously, it was very new for that company because they'd never taken people on virtually. And we were really lucky within the pandemic there that they didn't furlough anybody. Um, they actually grew, which I know is unusual. Um, 
but the people that we took on we did like some feedback with them and they all were like yeah it was amazing we were surprised how welcome and integrated we felt because we made sure that people had um time with the relevant people and lots of the people so that they could sit down and have like a virtual chat with them um a cup of not not even formal just having like a cup of coffee and just kind of chatting over bouncing around ideas and things like that and i think that's similar to what you guys have done for me joining fundraising everywhere in that it's just been quite chill like it's obviously there's been like this is what you need to do and this is how you're going to do it but it's also been like just checking in going how are you getting on today is there anything you need and i think it it doesn't feel any different to being in the office it actually feels almost better I feel more relaxed and that i can actually produce more work in this setting i feel i think i mean it's it's funny because obviously virtual working doesn't suit everyone you know for me it, it seems like it's a no-brainer that there should be a kind of mix offered where people can work remotely but you know there is that still there's opportunities to connect face to face but i'm seeing a lot of people kind of complaining either directly or passive aggressively that you know so many roles out there are still demanding that people have to be at a certain place for set hours and i think you know fun fundraisers fundraising is interesting because when fundraisers are in, are in demand like they are at the moment there's a lot of staff turnover you know fundraisers and people in the nonprofit sector have notoriously short retention periods because it it's it's a tough job and they don't really get looked after but this just seems for me it seems like an easy win employers can have where they offer remote working where they offer flexibility around time and things you know it i don't know if we need, even need to get into the reasons because it's been said so much but in terms of widening the pool of candidates you know in terms of morale in terms of what can be achieved but people i'm still seeing so many places who are saying well no you know you have to be based in london or you have to be based in dublin or you have to work these set hours and it just seems like totally outdated is i'd be curious if there's anyone on the call who's like who still believes in that or is still working in or with an organization where they're very much about the physical space and they're very much about these set hours i mean i had a call with our accountants the other day nikki and they um they're all back in the office full time, you know, it's like back to normal and all that, even though they've just done a year, two years working remotely and everything's been working fine. It's like suddenly the manager, the boss has decided, well, that's done. COVID's finished. Everyone has to get back in the office. What is, what is the future? Are, are, are fundraisers, employers, our charities, our businesses, are they going to have to open this up so that people can can work from anywhere? Or is it like, you know, is it just not going to happen in a lot of organizations? Are organizations going to stick to the old ways where we're tied to an office? Have you any thoughts on that, Nikki? Uh, they will have to change. How fast they change, I don't know. Um, I think, you know, for a lot of organizations in the charity sector, the decisions are often signed off or led by boards or people that might have that more traditional ways of, of working and thinking. But there's just so much more opportunity that we can have if we do just move with what, you know, a vast majority are wanting. You know, it opens us up to more talented people. It's more inclusive. It creates ways that people can work for you, again, in a way that's comfortable for them if they're not able to uh, get to the office or they have caring responsibilities. I mean, during the pandemic, um, I, I, I hired an office just because there was some building work outside and it proper stressed me out. Uh, listening to the listening to the building work for like two years but now that that's finished I'm like right well I'm, I'm coming back here again because I'm much more uh healthier at home I go for a walk on my lunchtime when I finish at five o'clock or whatever time you know I'm, I'm straight here with my little boy but obviously I have the flexibility to do that because this is my own organization and, and of, of course we do that with teams but there's just this thing with presenteeism and I remember when I worked for a charity and I had to be there all the time the amount of work that I actually did in the office was like tiny compared to what I'm able to do now because there's distractions, there's the commute, there's the making like 30 cups of tea for, for people. And it's just, I don't know, it's it's this kind of old way of thinking that like for you to be working, we'll have to see you. Uh, and I was hoping, hoping that, you know, with a, a lockdown and the pandemic, that we would start to see some change. And it, there is change, you know, this isn't to say that it's everybody. 
you know, there are some organisations that have gone remote first. I mean, I kind of think of only charities off, off the top of my head, but I know that Just Given have gone um, as a remote first organisation. Uh, William Joseph have, uh, again, I know their companies, but please, if anybody knows of any charities, then, then do uh, shout out on this. But it's just the opportunities that are there for us just far outweigh like the, oh, I can see Bob and they're at their desk. So that means that I know that they're working. It's just all that, all that just needs to stop. It's, it but, seems so obvious, but I, I've never, I never hear from like, um, from managers or decision makers, the people who, who are putting the rules into place where we have to get back into the office. I've never heard anyone defend it. And so I'm curious to hear why it's still happening or if anyone knows, if anyone can give me some of the reasons that, that this is happening, I would love to hear that. I would love to hear the argument for it. I mean, obviously, you know, the big one is the connection and the human connection, which you can still you can still have available and as a choice. But beyond that, I'm kind of struggling to think of any reasons. Well, isn't it weird though? I mean, and again, just when I was I was t- talking to James about this this morning, like over the past 30 years, there has been this push towards, you know, the, the socializing and and being, you know, friends with your work colleagues. And I get that, you know, I'm, but also, you know, if you are thinking about going into work as this social space, like wouldn't you much rather spend your social time with your family or your lifelong friends, you know, when you get home. And I understand that for a, a younger work and audience that there might be that kind of excitement and that vibe of, you know, I'm going to work and this is fun and we'll go out after or, or whatever, but it's, that's not the, the reason why they're at work. And it just seems strange to build structures around it that, that that's what it's for. I mean, from a, I don't know, a, a capitalist sense, the fact that everyone goes back into the office is good for the, the shops and the businesses around it right so you know maybe the decisions that have come from higher up in in regards to whether we go back to the office or not or what that pressure's been there for uh it's a it's a completely different conversation to a one that we're having now but yeah I've, I've not heard of many people that are buzzing to get back in i mean especially for our friends that do live in the in the south of england and they have to commute for like what an hour plus just to, mm. just to get into work I don't, I don't know. But it's just strange that we've, as a sector, you know, we've worked towards digital transformation for so long. Like, how can we improve things with digital? How can we connect more with digital? How can we engage more with digital? And then we had this two years of being thrust into this situation where we had no choice but to do it. And we learned so much. And I'm just so interested to see, and again, not all of them, I'm so interested to see some uh, organizations going, right, that was, that was nice. Let's, let's get back to the in-person stuff now. Um, and it's just wild for me. We actually have, for those of you that don't know, um, a, a survey open at the moment, um, and I will tweet it just so you've got the link, because we are starting to measure the impact of uh, virtual on teams, on fundraising and things like that. And it's free to take part and the, the survey will be free as well. And basically what we're trying to do with this is just prove something that we've seen over the last two years, that it does have a place. And especially when it's done well, um, so I'd love for anybody who's on this space today to to fill in your experience, um, because you know the more data that we have, the the bigger picture that we can that we can pull together. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping, and and it is good to see some people that are building on what they've learned rather than you know shying away from from the the, the chaos maybe that it felt like when when they had no choice. I think people need to, we need to just admit and be realistic that the only reason this, that it's still happening is because we're trying to get away from our families and people (laughs) do not want to spend time with their stupid kids and partners. And I think it's like, let's be honest about that and then work with it. Mandy, were you about to say something? And and then I'm going to, I'm going to bring a Kimberly on up after you. Yeah, no, all I was going to say is, um, Again, this is about the organisation that I've just left because obviously you guys are fully virtual. Um, but where I worked before, it w- they were very much office based before the pandemic. It was very much like if you wanted to work remotely, you had to have a very specific reason. And then a week before the whole world went into lockdown, our chair of trustees kind of had a bit of a panic and went, you all need to go home now. And we were like, what? What are you on about? But he sent us home and the offices have not reopened since that day they still have the offices just because they need somewhere to store stuff and they have a lease on it but they have zero plans to go back into the offices at all because everybody's agreed from the board to the smt to all of the staff 
that they're so much more productive working remotely and flexibly. And so they've basically that's implemented going forward now, which I think is really great. And it did. It was a factor for me when I was kind of researching other opportunities that it had to be virtual. I wouldn't go back into an office. It makes total it makes total sense. And I think like in terms of what we were talking about earlier about, you know, Mandy had said that you, you had connected and kind of met more people during lockdown than you had in, in physical space. And you're not the only person I've heard say that. I know Wayne Murray, who was on here earlier, he was doing a thing where he was meeting people almost every day for virtual coffees and just got so much out of it. But the other person, Kimberly, who who's just joined us um, as a speaker here, I hope you're doing all right, Kimberly. Kimberly has done wild things on Clubhouse and um and through her podcast and through and it all seems to ramp up during during um during lockdown kimberly you seem to be fully embracing the virtual world <laughs> hi simon nice to see everybody here thanks for um creating this space and recording a podcast uh yeah i i mean virtual is working for me i'm never ever going back to commuting to toronto it's about a 90 minute um commute but i i wanted to just comment on I sometimes forget that I serve on a board of directors as a board member. And and um, I was thinking about that earlier on in the discussion, our organization. I mean, we we decided not to ask staff to come back into the office uh, as a board. And our board meetings used to be in person every other month, but we're continuing to have them virtual. Um, the organization has even hired staff who they wouldn't otherwise have been able to hire because they used to have a downtown Toronto office. So there's there's one example of a charity, and I can think of another one that I used to work for who moved into a much smaller space and they're doing sort of a hybrid of having an office and working from home. Um, so yeah, the virtual world, I mean, it just, it just blows up networks, right? And it, and it creates, it creates connections globally in a way that, that we didn't before COVID. So I agree with what you were saying earlier, Nikki, about what a tragedy it would be for organizations just to go, okay, that's it. COVID's over. We're going back to the way we used to do things because there are a great deal of benefits to how, how we're moving forward now. And, um, I think it was Mandy who was saying that her network's blown up. Mine certainly absolutely has. So I just wanted to add that. I know two charities that have moved forward with the hybrid model. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks a million, Kimberly. It seems wild that, you know, what we're hearing here is almost the opposite of what a lot of people say. And I think, you know, maybe the answer, like with all things in fundraising and nonprofits and marketing and all of that, the answer always it's, it depends, you know, and it depends on who you're talking to and who you're trying to reach. And sometimes virtual is the, a great way to do that if it's the right people and the right messaging and the right medium. And sometimes physical is the right way. And I think maybe, you know, there isn't one answer, but it's that we we need to, that's our job as fundraisers, that's our job as marketers or, or you know, communication people is to figure out who are we trying to connect to and what is the right way. And there isn't, you know, we can't go into it saying virtual is better or in person is better, but the truth is somewhere in between. And we have to kind of, kind of find that. Uh, I do, I do want to definitely give uh, an opportunity to anyone else on here um, who hasn't spoken yet. If you want to, if you want to request the mic and, and share your thoughts on virtual versus in person, especially in terms of engagement events and marketing, then, then we'd love to hear it. I'm also conscious of time because there is one other thing I wanted to talk about. But if anyone wants to go back to uh, the virtual uh, in-person discussion, then please do raise your hand and we'll get you back up. I'd love to hear. But the other thing, Nikki, that I was going to ask you about this this week, because it's it seems hot right now, is NFTs. Tell me what you know about <laughs> Tell me what you know about <laughs> NFTs. Well, I, don't, I don't think there's enough time left uh, to, <laughs> to share everything that I know about NFTs. Maybe if I could fill the next 11 minutes up just saying how much I know about it, it'll avoid me having to talk about it. Uh, so NFTs, non-fungible tokens, they are a hot mm -hmm. topic uh, in the charity sector at the moment. Um, and it is a digital project which is all connected with cryptocurrency and blockchain and basically it's like a digital 
can't be replicated certificate to say that you own what essentially is a JPEG, but obviously it's not a JPEG because <laughs> it's an N- NFT. Um, but I'm right click save all the way. Um, so NFTs, you know, they are um, being talked about quite a lot, I guess, because Facebook has heavily invested in Meta. And as it is with, if you can hear that scratching in the background, that's my cat having a bath, but he's like licking the sofa. Um, so sorry about that. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it as with a lot of like exciting technology things, like as a sector, we start going, oh, is that something that we should be getting into and actually we have seen quite a few charities doing things with nfts recently so just a couple that stand out for me were edinburgh dog and cat home had an nft fundraiser people were um kind of designing uh, pictures of, of dogs and then they were being auctioned uh wwf uh, did one recently which had a, a quite a negative backlash actually on mm. twitter because of the um the the, the climate uh um impact uh, that NFTs can have, because even though they are digital, you know, it does uh, use up a lot of energy in that space. Um, and I know Kimberly's on the call and she might knack me for saying this, but, you know, in, about a year ago, we were in the same kind of situation with uh, Clubhouse, weren't we? When it was like, everyone needs to get on Clubhouse. And then now, you know, for me especially, you know, it's it's something that I got into for a month and then kind of forgot about. So, yeah, I think NFTs is something that will, um, that pose an opportunity um but yeah it's immediate uh immediately no i think there's bigger things that we have to focus Ooh. on for 2022 you're di- you're dismissing nfts uh am i dismissing it no i think it's a place and i think what we have to be aware of is that you know we're not our audience so you know i'm not going to go and buy an nft in the near future but I do know that, you know, um, new technologies like this do shape our supporters' world in the future. Mm-hmm. So I think we definitely need to think about how we can utilize it. I think we definitely need to be making connections with people in that space who know more than we do so that we can learn from them and partner up. And much like we did, like, you know, with the whole gaming thing when when that when that first started coming through. But for a lot of our audience, especially Simon, you know, the small and medium organizations, like you know, if they do have a, a, a supporter who's doing the NFT thing, then by all means, you know, like learn more about it and partner up. But I think for 2022, just to, to, to make it clear, I'm talking about this year, it is a bit of a digital distraction when we already have so much that we have to to, to work on. Um, mm. But that, that and again, that's my opinion. I am no NFT expert by by any means, although I do invest in cryptocurrency. <laughs> Any any hot, any hot tips? Any trader tips? No, don't uh, give any trader tips because I was gonna, I was going to give one. There is a there is a crypto who is trying to um, combat the, uh, the the climate problem, uh, Solana, uh, which is worth looking into. But um, but yeah, it's you 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 remind me of one of those celebrities who are like touting um, um, those NFTs, those ape ones now. Who doesn't? Who's like just on the bandwagon a little bit, making loads of money from it, but actually not really interested in it at all. Is that? Uh, no, I know I'm not. I, I don't have NFTs. I don't have, I, at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm. But judging the fact that Bitcoin, what in 2011 was like two pound forty or something, for Bitcoin, and now it's worth thirty six grand each. I think yeah. it's worth worth keeping an eye on it because I, I love my customers. It's worth a flutter, isn't it? And I say this as someone, I am, I am, a, I can admit here, I am an NFT owner. I own an NFT racehorse. Uh, so, you know, judge me, all of you, judge me in whatever way you want. But I am deeply cynical about NFTs. I think NFTs are, are a bit silly, but also, also, I'm on the fence. And I think, like, you know, we have we have an NFT webinar coming up on fundraising everywhere, which I'm going to give the details for. You know, not to get salesy, but I'm going to give the details. But it's for. free anyway, isn't it? Well, it's free anyway. Good point. Yeah. But I think for me, it's like I'm still a wait and see person. You know, whatever Mm. I think about it, it's like, let's see what happens. Let's not rule it out. Let's keep an open mind. Obviously, there's people making money from this stuff who are potential donors. Um, There's people in our networks who are maybe into this stuff. But yeah, it's I mean, as a fundraiser, our job is always to be it's it's about time, isn't it? It's how we use our 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week, or whatever we work. It's how we use that time for a limited number of things. And so is NFTs the most fruitful way a fundraiser in a small charity could be using their time? Probably not. Not this year. But at the same time, if an opportunity arises, like you said, with gaming, 
you know, you might not be a gamer, but if that opportunity arises, our job as fundraisers is to work with those opportunities and nourish them. And so, yeah, I wouldn't rule out. Any, have we got any big NFT fans, any NFT owners on here who wants to tell us about, about your NFT? Did anyone buy any of that stuff? Any of that junk? I could, I could, um, I just wanted to put in a plug, not, not for NFTs, but for nonprofits to be thinking about investing in uh, the infrastructure to be able to at least accept crypto donations. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not as terrifying as it might seem. Um, And a a nonprofit here locally recently did it. And I was so excited to see um, that they had done that. They, they just went with some, some sort of third party person that basically enabled them to accept, I think it was Bitcoin at the, and maybe one other that I don't recall. Um, and if nothing else, I feel like it is incumbent upon us to start to think about, oh, what if what if a supporter walks in your office and says, hey, I want to donate a Bitcoin to you, right? What would you do? How would you even be able to accept it if that did happen? So it is definitely worth kind of trying to self-educate at this point um, and keep that on the radar because that's going to be happening sooner than we think. People coming up going, uh-oh, I, my, uh, my Dogecoin or what Shiba Inu or whatever um, made way too much profit and I don't want the tax hit. Can I give something to you? in that point because then they don't take the tax hit right yeah yeah it's a really good point and um, and like simon said we have uh we have a couple of experts because we are not experts at this um coming onto the platform next month so we're hosting a free uh online webinar and a live chat actually from both sides of the of the the fence as it were and so we hopefully we have um an organization coming on who help charities set up uh, crypto campaigns and NFTs, and then we have somebody who is, you know, encouraging us to be cautious just because of the implications of it. So it'll be interesting to hear both sides of that. And we're working on getting a couple of um, uh, charities who've actually used it as well. Simon, can you remind me the date of that webinar, please? I can, of course. It's on March twenty second. Ah, so on March twenty second on the fundraising everywhere site. If you go to fundraisingeverywhere.com, you will see the event listed there. And like Nikki said, it's free registration. So we'd love to join uh love you to join us. Like Nikki said, we have people on both sides. But we will be there asking silly questions on your behalf. And so if you feel out your depth with NFT, um then then join us because we too are out of our depth with nfts mm-hmm. um, but if you're into nfts then join us as well and share your thoughts share your experience share your expertise so that we can all benefit from it because uh yeah it's a weird one yeah weird one. do you have any do you own any, any fungible tokens or just non-fungible uh no i don't no fungibles <laughs> no fts NFTs. No NFTs. <laughs> are you down with nfts yeah, you know. Uh, well, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't have the. Yeah, it's just from. Yeah, for me, it's. I, I agree with what Marissa's saying. Like, it's something that yeah. we have to, that we really have to be aware of. And 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 you know, they're right. Like, the crypto side is definitely something that needs looking into. Like, way way more than the the kind of like fun, um, pictures of like animals and stuff, <laughs> or your horse, your NFT race horse. Our horse play because uh, I own a, a horse with a, a few friends, and it, it placed, and it's it's um, for the first time the other day, and we actually won some money from the horse race, from the NFT horse race. So, so there. Wow. Yeah, we've still made a massive loss on it so far, but anyway. <laughs> on that um, note, shall we wrap on it that up? Note, we're coming to the end. So um, so just a reminder for anyone who's who's listening that we are going to um, pu- be pushing this out as a podcast as well. We are going to be running these once a month where we kind of reflect on what's been happening over the last uh, uh, month in the sector uh, and keeping ourselves on top of it, asking questions that we need to ask and getting your opinions and thoughts on any of the, on the stuff that we've been seeing happening or stuff that we want to know more about. So do keep an eye out. Um, we hope you have enjoyed this and you will come back for the next one and, and share your thoughts on anything that comes up that you're interested in. Um, but also in the meantime, we have lots going on uh, on fundraisingeverywhere.com. Please do join, come across there to check out what events we have coming on. Join the mailing list to stay on top of it. Um, and do um, subscribe to our podcast. The Fundraising Everywhere podcast is on all good fundraising. No, 
is on all good podcast platforms. So whether you listen to Apple iTunes or whether you listen to Spotify or whether you're boycotting both those and listen to somewhere else, you should be able to find the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. So do give that a follow and have a listen. This episode will be coming out uh, shortly, um, but then we have weekly podcast episodes diving into other areas and talking to other experts. What else do people need to know, Nikki? Uh, just to say as well that we are launching our free webinar series for Everywhere Plus as well. So every month we're going to be taking our charity audiences through key steps that you need to host successful virtual events in 2022. Because we've been doing them since 2019. We have a lot to learn and we want to share that with you. So if you want to register for one of those webinars, that's everywhereplus.com. Great. And then just the last thing for me is we are, this is the last week that you can contribute to a piece of research that we're running. We're running a piece of research around the impact that virtual events have had on the charity sector. Uh, At this time, this year, uh, it's only open to UK charities. Um, So if you're a UK charity or you uh, know a UK charity who has partaken in virtual events in the last year, um, then please do check out um, Fundraising Everywhere's social media, Fundraising Everywhere's Twitter. You'll see the link to it there. We would love your contribution um, so that we can actually start to measure some of the impact that these virtual events are having. Um, and then those results will be available to everyone once that research is finished. So if you are a UK charity and you've, and you've dabbled, if you've partaken, if you've uh, uh, jangled with virtual events, then please do fill out this research. We'd really appreciate your input. Okay, my friends, thank you all so much for joining in for this Twitty, spa- Twitty Spaces. Uh, Nikki, thank you for your time. Uh, did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was great for our first one and uh, with no agenda whatsoever. I don't, I don't think we did too badly. And thank you, Mandy and Marissa as well for, for joining us um, on, the, on the Twitter Spaces stage. Absolutely. And thank you to Kimberly, uh, who has chipped off and anyone else who, who uh, uh, took part. We do encourage you, come on next time, come in and, and have your voice be heard. You can't sound any sillier than Nikki and I. Um, so please do take part next time. But otherwise, my friends, that's it for uh, Twitter Spaces. That's it for the podcast episode. And I hope you all have a lovely day, a lovely evening. And I hope Soup the Rooster um, gives Marissa some peace in the near future. Um, But otherwise, thank you, everyone, and nice to see you all. Goodbye.